the 30th of June, 2022. Apparently I said 2021 again yesterday. I don't know. 2022. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Happy Thursday to you. They got a little bit of burp there. Sorry about that. Action-packed program as always. By the way, programming note, if you're at all interested tomorrow, I'm scheduled. It doesn't necessarily mean it'll happen, but I'm scheduled to be on Spicer and Company on Newsmax at uh, six o'clock for like uh, I don't know discussion and news of the day and then for their trivia thing um, so we'll see if that actually happens I hope it does it's been a while since I've been on there so check that oot a eh? Canadian also check out check oot patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and or locals it's uh, Derek Hunter com where you get the Week in and Review. It's going to be a good one this week with the surprise hearing. Oh, it's a big surprise. Oh, my God, I wish I could swear right now. I mean, I could, but I made certain promises that this would be the cleanish-ist version of a program. So there you go. I'll save it till Saturday morning in the Week in and Review. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and uh, DerekHunter.Locals.com. That's where you also enter to win the contest to win autographed books. I think I'm going to try and step up the game even. I got Mike against Mike. I got Huckabee versus uh, Lee autographed books. But I'm now opening boxes, and I'm finding more and more ones. And I'm like, dude, I want to get rid of this one. But yeah, yeah, I do. You guys deserve a chance to win it. So I appreciate the support, and this is how I can show the appreciation. So there you go. Also, uh, yeah, well, that's enough. Let's uh, let's get started so we can get out of here, shall we? We got a, a there's a lot going on in the world out there. There's uh, well, my God, how an emergency meeting? Oh, an emergency hearing. You hear that and you think they must have gotten some bombshell thing. They must have something out there that is really, really devastating to Trump and Republicans. And uh, no. They don't. This is the January 6th committee hearing. It's really kind of funny. It's sad, honestly, on top of everything else, that these people are sitting there and they think every time, every time they think they've got Donald Trump, they end up punching themselves in the face. I don't know how you do it. I do, honestly don't know how you do it. How could you screw up so horribly Every single time you have the opportunity to not screw up. It's a tap and putt. And you go, uh, you know what? Give me the driver. Stand back. Watch. I'm going to put this in there absolutely positively with authority. And you're like, what the hell? How does that happen? How does that happen? The uh, January 6th committee had an emergency emergency meeting hearing yesterday with a surprise witness or so we were told we were told it was a surprise they didn't tell you who the witness was beforehand they didn't oh no 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 and then word leaked that it was Cassidy Hutchison who worked for the chief of staff oh okay Cassidy Hutchison worked for the chief of staff who is she? 
She's apparently 25 years old now, which would mean two years ago she was 23 years old, maybe 22, depending on when her birthday is. And you're going, huh, probably not the senior level person. At least I'm going based on Mika Brzezinski's uh, statement of her age. Probably not the uh, super high-level decision maker that maybe she's portrayed as by the left if and she's, you know, still wet behind the ears, just out of college now uh, working in the White House. This really goes to show you that so much of what goes on in the administration and determines how successful it is, is in the personnel. It's personnel and it's all the way down person. You got to hire an inner circle of people that you absolutely trust who then are trustworthy to then hire their own people and so on and so forth. The president can't hire that many, 4,000 people. But you've got to, um, you shouldn't base your hiring decisions on what you see on cable television. Because the people you see on cable television, by and large, not exclusively, but by and large, are really um, awful people. And they are more interested in themselves than anything else. Oh, they'll tell you they're your friend and they're your buddy and they're your pal. And uh, when it comes between you and their career, even a hit, they'll stomp on you. If it comes, I don't know what Cassidy Hutchison's motivation is, but you should never have somebody 23 years old in a position of authority, in a position of importance. You just shouldn't. Nothing against 23-year-olds, but they don't have the life experience. They don't have, I, uh, I watched this show called uh, Summer House, right? It's a reality show. It's a cheesy reality show. It's terrible. A listener actually turned me on to it one time when I was saying that I was looking for something mindless and stupid. And it's mindless and stupid, but I enjoy it. Two seasons ago, there, well, for a couple of seasons, there was this girl named Hannah on the show and she always ended up crying and she always ended up getting upset and and claiming victim status and it was i kind of let it go i kind of let it go and then in her final reunion episode she really just uh, everybody was being mean to her and she was being she was using words like she was using all the buzzwords she became you know she's supposedly a comedian so you would think a comedian could take a joke could understand uh but when People pointed out her hypocrisy, and they were point, simply pointing out her hypocrisy and how where she was lying, or at least where her story had changed. She's, she was being ganged up on, and she was being triggered, and suddenly it this rush of memories came back to me to one particular girl that I dated who, she wasn't nearly that bad. She wasn't anything like that, but this one girl, if she was on the phone with her parents, and I was trying to get her to, like, we got to go, let's go. She would tell her parents, I got to go. Derek is screaming at me. I'm, like, I'm not screaming. I said it no louder than I'm talking to you right now. We got to go. The time is coming. Let's let's get him. He's screaming at me. He's yelling. He's throwing a fit. And it was like, what in the hell is wrong with this person? And it began, what the hell is wrong with me for dating this person? But that's beside the point. It was that kind of disconnect from reality. Now, it wasn't different worlds. It wasn't. You know, we were going to a, a baseball game and we ended up going to Cleveland or something. It wasn't that kind of disconnect. But there was a disconnect between 
reality and the way she said reality was. With Cassidy Hutchison, with that Hannah girl I'm talking about on this show, Summer House, there is a complete disconnect. They'll say, oh, they're coming at me with a knife and a gun and and they're going to kill me. And the reality is the person's sleeping a thousand miles away. Like that's the kind of disconnect that there seems to be. I want to play for you Cassidy Hutchison's testimony. Just one clip. The rest of it is irrelevant. Now, how can you say the rest of it is irrelevant? Andy McCarthy, who I uh, have a lot of respect for, former federal prosecutor. He is a writer over at um, National Review. He's a Fox News contributor. He's a very smart man. And uh, you should take his his assessment seriously. You don't have to agree with him all the time, but he, he looks at things in a very serious way. He has a piece today at National Review. Cassidy Hutchison's testimony against Trump is devastating. Now, Andy McCarthy, I'm not sure how big of a fan of the former president he is or what have you. It doesn't matter. But if you disprove one part of somebody's testimony, if you prove that they are lying in one part of their testimony, that impeaches, forgive the use of the word, the rest of their testimony, does it not? It does. It truly does. Yet we are told that Cassidy Hutchison's testimony is devastating. We have Mika coming up too to say make that claim. Yet we can disprove a couple of major points in her testimony. Disprove, not dispute, not have a oh shucks moment and this could go either way. It's a heads or tails moment. No, disprove. Disprove. So no matter what else she says, her testimony has to be ignored. We'll also find out, by the way, if lying to Congress, if perjury under oath before Congress is still a crime. Remember that? Oh, Republicans, oh, they they misled Congress. They have to be charged with perjury. Roger Stone went to jail for this. Will Cassidy Hutchison even face an inquiry? Will the Justice Department look into it? Probably not. But I want to play you this one bit. It's a little bit long, but it is the entirety of the meat of this lie. Then we'll get to the lie itself. When I returned to the White House, I walked upstairs towards the Chief of Staff's office, and I noticed Mr. Renato lingering outside of the office. Once we had made eye contact, he quickly waved me to go into his office, which was just across the hall from mine. When I went in, he shut the door, and I noticed Bobby Angle, who is the head of Mr. Trump's security detail, sitting in a chair, just looking somewhat discombobulated and a little lost. Um, and I, I looked at Tony, and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? I said, no, Tony, I, I just got back. What happened? Tony proceeded to tell me that when the president got in the beast, he was under the impression from Mr. Meadows that the -the off-the-record movement to the Capitol was still possible and likely to happen, but that Bobby had more information. So once the president had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, 
he thought that they were going up to the Capitol, and when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not, we don't have the assets to do it, it's not secure, we're going back to the West Wing. The president had very strong, a very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. And was Mr. Engel in the room as Mr. Ornato told you this story? He was. Did Mr. Engel correct or disagree with any part of the story from Mr. Ornato? Mr. Engel did not correct or disagree with any part of the story. <laughs> now, does any part of that seem believable to you? That Trump gets in the car, I want to go to the Capitol. No, we can't. We're not going over there. It's not. I'm the president. Of, no. I'm in charge, Mr. Pre- Who do you think you are? That's not the way the Secret Service works. It's certainly not the way the Secret Service would work for very long if the Secret Service tried to work that way. There have been plenty and plenty of times where there's public testimony, documentaries and things and books written about presidents wanting to do things that the Secret Service did not want them to do. The Secret Service doesn't go, no, I don't care what you want. They try to convince the President of the United States to not do what the Secret Service believes would be dangerous. Most times they are successful. Sometimes they are not. Why? Because the ultimate call is the President's. The ultimate call is the President's. The Secret Service does not get to dictate the movement of the President of the United States except in an emergency, in the fog of an emergency, like on 9-11 when they picked up Dick Cheney when he was vice president and ran him down a flight of stairs and he didn't know what the hell was going on. He was just, boom, boom, down the stairs. That's different. This didn't happen. The president is in the beast. The beast is the limo, the presidential limo. I don't know if there's a small window to talk to the... uh, the person who's driving, I can't imagine there really is. If there is, it's a very small window. See, the president needs privacy, and you don't want to have to slide the stupid thing shut. The president of the United States is always going to be having conversations that whoever's driving the president of the United States does not need to hear and should not hear. So it's not like there's a... A big open area. It's not like a cab where you just, just a thin plastic thing there, blah, blah, blah. No. It is secured. The beast is secured so that even if the driver is killed, the president is okay. It has a separate air supply. So in case the the area is gassed, it is a very secure area. 
there is no tipping window or here's your cash or that the president could lunge through and grab the steering wheel of. And I guarantee you there is not a single Secret Service agent who would grab the president and say, don't you dare, you don't know what to hell you, who do you think you are? And if the president had choked or tried to choke a Secret Service agent, we would have heard about it by now. But instead, NBC News, and this is where it gets into the lie, NBC News of all places. Now, NBC News is dutifully ignoring this, but they broke the story. Peter Alexander, the chief White House correspondent, he's also the Weekend Today Show anchor. He broke yesterday on Twitter. I'll have to look up and see if he actually wrote it up or was allowed to write it up. So new Secret Service spokesman Anthony Gigliami, however you pronounce that, tells me the agents in Trump's presidential SUV, quote, are available to testify under oath, responding to Hutchison's new allegations. Source close to the Secret Service says both men dispute Trump grabbed the steering wheel or assaulted an agent. Huh. That's weird. <sighs> but it doesn't matter. So both uh, the spokesman, Anthony Guglielmi, tells me the, quote, Secret Service has communicated to the Department of Homeland Security that any and all personnel that the January 6th committee requests are available to testify under oath responding to Hutchison's new allegations. Now, a lot of people on Twitter are going, what do you mean? Why are they uh, saying they're available? Why don't they just go up there? Because that's not how it works. You have to be called to testify. If they don't want to hear from you, they ain't going to call you. If you don't have useful information for them. Now, I don't know Hutchison or anything from a hole in the wall. But there was no cross-examination of her at all in any way, shape, or form. It was just Liz Cheney sort of flirting with her. Oh, you're so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Anybody who questioned her critically would say, well, the Secret Service denies this. Why should we believe you over the Secret Service? I doubt she'd have a good answer for that. There is no good answer for that. And if you can prove that somebody is lying in one part of their testimony, then you are by law, by order usually, generally, of uh, jury instructions, but this isn't a court, ordered, instructed to ignore all of their testimony because they're lying. Or they're wrong. I guess you could say a generous interpretation would be that she's wrong. But then an honest look at this would have, uh, would have questioned the sanity of this statement anyway. So you got a media that is, they're ghostbusters. They're ready to believe you. If you are anti-Trump, oh, you got a, a Russian prostitute, you paid her to urinate in the bed because Michelle and, and uh, Barack Obama slept in it? All right, that was in the, the Steele dossier. So total lives, total garbage. But there are people out there who still believe it. It was reported because, well, it's in the dossier. Why would anybody put anything in a dossier that isn't true? This story seems and is, honestly, it's logistically impossible. You can't just lunge for... The beast is a big car. 
It's a limo. The president sits. The president doesn't sit up in front with the driver. The president doesn't even sit up near the front of the back near the driver. The president sits by the door in case there is need for an emergency evacuation. That's it. That's what you've never you've never seen a president sit anywhere except for right by the door. It's a very thick door. You ain't getting through that door, but the president sits there by the door. So that's uh, I saw one graphic. It's like six or seven feet to where the president, where the driver is. It's a limo. We're supposed to believe that Donald Donald Trump is a lot of things. He's got a lot of energy, but he is not a uh, he's not a lunging. He's not in lunging shape, right? He's just not in lunging shape. Leave it at that. We're supposed to believe that he lunged. For the steering wheel. No, we're going there. We're going there. No. If the president truly insisted on going there, the president would have gone there. That's the way it works. But it doesn't matter. Maggie Haberman, award-winning journalist over at the New York Times, I believe she's won a Pulitzer Prize for her lies during the Trump administration. Sadly, she was one of those reporters that Trump himself called a lot. Donald Trump really needs to get over his fascination with the New York Times. I know it's his hometown paper and it was it's the paper and if you get it and you know you want to be in there and he loves to see his name in print and what have you, but if you're gonna give interviews, give them to friendlier outlets, not the enemy. Doesn't matter how important the enemy is. Maggie Haberman <clears throat> tweeted out a, a thread today because they don't they don't care whether or not it's true. It seems true. And that's enough for it to be true. It seems possible, seems plausible. Which I'll tell you, if you listen to these leftists talk about Donald Trump, he is Hitler reincarnated. He is a monster. So then literally anything is possible. You believe anything said about him. So the standard of it seems plausible is ridiculous because they hate him. They ascribe horrible, horrible motivations to everything he does. She wrote, quote, The steering wheel incident that she uh, testified hearing about it coming into question. But there is ample testimony and reporting and, you know, Trump's own statements that he wanted to go to the Capitol. Still true, even without that anecdote. You don't get to discount parts of it. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I, it, it's it's like Nancy Pelosi or Anna Navarro's form of capital uh, Catholicism. I'm Catholic, Catholic, but I'm not that Catholic. I'm Catholic when I'm in the church, but you know, I'm not Catholic. Catholic. I am a different kind of Catholic when I'm around. It's a totally different beast. I I don't believe. I think you should have uh, gay priests, married priests, and uh, I love birth control and abortion. But, you know, other than that, total, total Catholic. Uh-huh. Oh, and I don't believe in Jesus and I don't believe in God. But other than that, devout Catholic. Like, wait, at a certain point, you have to go, maybe, maybe you're not as Catholic as you think. And maybe you're not as big a journalist as you think. If you can sit there and go, well, forget the anecdote. We don't need the anecdote. It's, it fits a pattern. It fits. A- Trump said he wanted to go to the Capitol. Yeah, he did. Did he say that he wanted to pick up a pitchfork and a torch and go to the Capitol and personally murder Mike Pence? No, he didn't. You're kind of projecting that part, right? So there's the the difference. 
Okay, Donald Trump was taking part in a rally of supporters. The supporters were marching to the Capitol to peacefully have their voices heard, as the president put it. Of course he wanted to go with them. Did he want to murder Nancy Pelosi? Probably not. I can't say definitively not, but probably not. To accuse him of it simply because, well, he's Donald Trump. He's sent mean tweets, so therefore... He clearly would have killed the vice president of the United States and all members of the House of Representatives is a bit of a stretch, even for these leftist monsters out there, don't you think? But that's what they're doing. Oh, anecdote aside, it seems true. Therefore, it must be true. Donald Trump's a bit of a jerk. Therefore, he would. Okay, well, I can promise you that the vast majority of people in media are jerks. They're much worse than Donald Trump much worse than Donald Trump. Donald Trump only attacks people who attack him. He hits back. These other people attack people for existing wrong. They attack people they don't. They are the Taylor Lorenzes of the world who go, this person is tweeting videos that uh, leftists are putting out of themselves online. They're tweeting it to a bigger audience. Therefore, this person needs to be destroyed. And the libs of TikTok attempted assassination didn't work but that's the mindset that's the mentality they're way worse the joe scarboroughs and mika brzezinski's of the world are way worse than donald trump ever imagined being the important thing to remember about what cassidy hutchison did at that hearing was she reiterated things she'd already said but the things she'd already said she'd said on video So it would be Liz Cheney saying, you know, here's a clip of Cassidy Hutchison saying X, Y, and Z. So that's not compelling. It's boring. It's heavily edited. So they brought her back and said, this is live testimony, live testimony. And then they'd play her a clip and go, did you just say what we just saw you say? And she said, yeah, I did. I totally did. And uh, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. There was nothing new that she hadn't testified to before. The only way to make that interesting, the only way to make it new would be to have somebody there in an adversarial position to say, well, the other two people involved in this story of yours say this is BS. So why should we believe you? Say that They say this never, they're not saying you're wrong. They're saying it never happened. There's a difference. It's not, well, you got the details wrong. He, he didn't grab my right arm, he grabbed my left arm. He didn't try to choke me. He uh, tried to give me a, a, a nipple twister or something. No, they aren't, they're refuting everything. How do you answer that? She wouldn't be able to answer that, but then she doesn't have to. So we've got uh, a Ghostbusters media. We're ready to believe you if you say one thing. But if you say anything, uh, if you speak... Not ill. It's not even if you speak well. It's if you speak not ill of Donald Trump, then they're not ready to believe you. They're ready to destroy you. You're the problem. Okay? At least I can appreciate that in that it's good to know what we're up against. The ambiguity and the aw shucks nature of it, it, uh, that's a bunch of garbage. I want to know exactly what we're up against, and each time the left creates a new low, I want to know where it is. It's kind of funny because they all sit around and go, Donald Trump is upsetting the norms. Republicans are upsetting the norms. Oh, no, Donald Trump, Republicans, this, that, and the other thing, and all this garbage. Like, oh, they're they're just upsetting so many norms. They're doing so many things. 
about horrible, horrible, horrible things, a threat to our democracy, and therefore we must, we must change the rules. We have to get rid of the United States Senate in order to save democracy. We must do that in order to save democracy. Wait a second. I have a question. Question right here. How How do you save democracy by the things you're saying? Changing the rules, getting rid of the United States Senate. We're going to save the country by getting rid of the United States Senate? How does that work? How does that work? Um... Doesn't matter. Don't talk about that. Don't think about it. Just know that we've got to get rid of the filibuster in order to save democracy. And then they say, well, Republicans are threatening our democracy by blocking what Democrats want in the United States Senate by using the Jim Crow filibuster, which it's not. But that's beside the point. If it's a Jim Crow filibuster, Barack Obama and Joe Biden sure engaged in a whole lot of Klan rallies while they were in the United States Senate because they filibustered just about everything Republicans wanted. Who knew? But suddenly it's no longer useful to them. I guarantee you if Republicans retake all of government, suddenly these very same hypocritical D-bags will be extolling the virtues of the filibuster and how it is important and how even entertaining the idea of getting rid of it would be a threat to democracy or something. It's bizarre. <laughs> it really is bizarre. But uh, the gang over at Morning Joe, I got to play this gang over at Morning Joe stuff because it is something to behold as as the left runs around and they say, well, the Republicans are just like Republicans refusing to accept the 2020 election or a threat to democracy. By the way, Donald Trump stole the 2016 election. Ah, Republicans stole the 2018 gubernatorial election in Georgia. Pretty much every election that Republicans win, they've stolen. But Donald Trump saying 2020 was a little bit squishy and weird and uh, where did all these people come from and why would they vote for Trump? No, no, that's, that's heresy of the highest order and you must be burned as a witch for saying that. They don't live in the same world that we inhabit. Reality is not based upon your belief in it. Yet the left lives in a world where they act as though it is. The front page of the Washington Post today. Screaming headline, aid, colon. Trump fought to lead armed mob. Trump fought to lead armed mob. Now, I played you the relevant clip. Did that in any way, shape, or form? Cassidy Hutchison, is that what she said? Donald Trump wanted to lead the armed mob. Now they're hanging this on, and, and this really is activism. I don't even think that the D- the DNC would have the uh, cojones to try and pull this off, but this is where they are. Donald Trump at his rally was mad that the people trying to get into his speech weren't able to get in yet by the time he was ready to speak. So he said, get rid of the magnetometers. Get people in there. He said, no, we're finding weapons. Like, these people aren't here to hurt me. Let them in so we get the crowd. The people come here to see me. Let them in so they can see me and they can hear the speech. Now, there's a way to convey that very information that makes it sound very ominous, very dangerous. And it goes a little something like this. President sees that there are still long queues, huge queues of people trying to get in 
to the area to be able to hear the speech. And Donald Trump says, we need to get rid of those. Let's just start letting people in. These are my supporters. They want to hear this speech. Let them in. Secret Service says, no, we can't. We're finding weapons, Mr. President. The president, knowingly looking at the Secret Service, accepting, acknowledging, realizing, understanding that these people are coming in armed, says they're not here to hurt me. And quote, wink, wink, implying that they are there to hurt anybody he decides to sick them on. So he says, let them in anyway. Let them eat cake. That's the way they're spinning it. The weapons, by the way, they're being caught. Knives. Okay, yeah, I suppose somebody could throw a knife, but the president is behind plexiglass when he's speaking. So even if they had all had guns, unless the Secret Service is using low-grade plexiglass these days that, uh, you know, they use for salad spit guards and those ridiculous things that are still everywhere in New York, the clear plastic COVID protection thing, I guess you could call them. It's really so sad. They're all over New York. Every place you go into, they have these things. And it's like, okay, I'm six foot five. My eyes can see over this thing because everybody else is like six foot maybe at the most. It's designed for somebody like that. I could, and plus, I understand how air works. It's like how water works. But they, they think they're protecting themselves. But if the Secret Service is using that kind of stuff to protect the president, then I think the president would have uh, some reason to be concerned if there was a whole bunch of people running around with, with pen knives. That ain't how the Secret Service works. But that is being bastardized into Trump fought to lead armed mob over at the Post. And you sit there and you go, doesn't journalistic integrity mean anything at all? No, it doesn't. The Washington Post is the plaything of Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos is a liberal. I don't know why. The left wants to kill Jeff Bezos. Let's just be honest about it. They want to kill Jeff Bezos. They hate him. They want to destroy his business. And they want to kill him, quite frankly. They bring a guillotine to his house in Washington, D.C. all the time and protest in front of his house. They hate him because Amazon is not unionized. But he's still a man of the left because he know, he's got armed security. You're not getting within the zip code of Jeff Bezos if you know who he is and you intend to do him harm. His security, they're not advertising it. They're not wearing sunglasses and dark suits while he's at the beach. But a guy worth like $200 billion, you ain't getting, you you take a run at him and you're going to be put down like a rabid dog by the time you get to the 50-yard line. It just ain't happening. He didn't want you to have that right, but he's good. But the post is his plaything. The circles that he runs in are down with what he's doing. They don't care. They're investors in Amazon. They are Democratic activists who fund the party. They're the billionaire class. They don't give a damn about what the, the grunts out in front of his house think. They don't give a damn about what any of the... De- they they are the puppet masters. Do you really, really think the guy... I'm trying to think of a famous puppet. Geppetto is famous. But uh, do you think the guy working Howdy Doody cares what Howdy Doody thinks? Howdy Doody doesn't have any thoughts. Howdy Doody does what he's told. The mob doesn't have any thoughts. They do what they're told, which means in a way that Jeff Bezos and the elite are in on this. They're cool with this. If Jeff Bezos wanted this stuff to stop, 
it would stop. I guarantee you. He'd call the mayor of D.C. He'd call the president of the United States, people he's cut gigantic checks to and say, hey, stop this crap about the guillotine in front of my house. And it would stop. So the Washington Post can run any headline they want. It doesn't matter. What do they give a damn? Just like MSNBC, they don't give a damn. I want to play you Morning Joe's Open today. This is how the show started. Mika giving a lecture about how brave Cassidy Hutchinson is. It's amazing to me. Jonathan Carl, the chief Washington correspondent for ABC News, tweeted out yesterday, thank you, Cassidy Hutchinson. Why? For what? How is that journalism? Well, the same thing at Washington Post is the same thing at ABC News. Except ABC News isn't owned by one particular person as a vanity project. It's owned by stockholders, but the board is run by leftists. The corporate leadership is a bunch of leftists. Jonathan Carl, 10 years ago, would have been fired for that tweet. But this year, he's probably going to win a, a nice plaque with his name on it, saying, oh, what a wonderful journalist he is which he's already got an office littered with that garbage, I guarantee you. But this is how Morning Joe opened. Listen to Mika. Now, also, you have to keep in mind what I told you a minute ago about the Secret Service saying this didn't happen and they're willing to make anybody necessary to testify about this. You're happy to have them. You can have them. They're ready to go at a moment's notice. You can have another emergency hearing today because this didn't happen. That story was broken by Peter Alexander, who is the chief White House correspondent for what? NBC News. That was broken last night. It was broken more than 12 hours, I think, before Morning Joe came on. They are the same company. And Morning Joe ignored this NBC News scoop that the Secret Service says this is BS and there's a whole bunch of proof that it's BS. They ignored it so Mika could do this. It seems that history bends every day this week, Mika. We, of course, had the Supreme Court uh, decision last Friday and uh, yesterday. It had to be some of the most compelling testimony on Capitol Hill since Watergate. What was your takeaway? Well, from my perspective, uh, it was revealed, exposed, really, uh, that the men around Trump are weak, feckless cowards who had this pathetic need to be close to a failed president. And they almost destroyed our democracy and they almost got away with it. And it, it took the strength, and I was really taken by this, of a young woman's character to show America and the world the truth and in the process show us the true meaning of courage and patriotism. She's 25 years old. This is this is a young woman who not, not just knows her value, but knows the value of our country, of our democracy. And these weak, honestly, um, it, it, these men around Trump are an embarrassment, honestly, a, a global embarrassment. And she revealed that yesterday. They're weak and feckless. They're unpatriotic. They're weak. They're... What about that strikes you as a news program? Anything? Any part of that? It's more like a, a roast or a nasty. It's more like a mean girl who is talking about somebody who slept with her boyfriend. 
Well, they're this and they're nasty and they're fat and she's ugly and she doesn't even know how to put on makeup. And Oh, my God. You see, she wears spanks. Don't you get it? Eat a salad every once in a while, honey. Come on. Wow. That's a news program. That Now, you can, I know, you can cite me example after example, you liberals out there, of conservative hosts and even me, me making jokes. Yeah, I do it as a sort of a mood lightener. And also, I think these people are stupid. But <clears throat> that is the flagship show on a news network. I am in the opinion business. They are in the news discussion business. They're supposed to have serious, sober discussions about the news. And there's Mika going, they're fat and they're ugly and they got warts and they smell like poo and they're this, that, and the other thing. And like, wow, that's, uh, that's a take, I guess. I mean, congratulations to you, Mika. Then you have to go back and realize that Mika and Joe are still very, very, very angry that Donald Trump told the world she had a lot of work done. See, because you pay a ton of a ton of money to get the work done in a way that you can't tell that work is done. Most times. And most times it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you end up like... Uh, Whatever happened in Nicole Kidman's nose? Like, wait a second, that's a different person, right? But sometimes, especially things below the jawline, it's tough to tell that something was done. That things were put in and things were moved around and perked up and whatever. And Donald Trump went and told him. So they, that whatever money they paid, and it was a lot of money, is, was for naught. She's very upset about that, and she's never going to get over it. They are never going to get over it. Well, Joe probably doesn't give a damn, but he has to pretend to give a damn. Joe's also a, a noted uh, less-than-honest husband, and so Donald Trump has had his own issues with fidelity. So you sit there and you go, well, you know, he's a, he's a horrible person. He's an awful person. No, 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 I would never be anything like that, wink, wink. And you're like, dude, you, you've been exactly like that. Even exactly like that and worse. Oh, it's her horrible. It's uh, me thinks thou doth protest too much-ism. But it's what passes for news over at MSNBC, which again is controlled by a bunch of corporate suits who are left-wing activists, controlled by a board that are left-wing activists. And so there's no accountability. It's not a one person, one billionaire pulling the strings who's got more money so he doesn't have to give a damn. But it is um, the same mentality. Ten years ago, that wouldn't have happened. That would not have happened. But now every single day, they are just shy of burning Republicans in effigy over at Morning Joe. Every single day. Every single day. While sitting there and whining about Donald Trump said mean tweets back in the day. Donald Trump upset all the norms. Yeah, all you people do is call everybody who disagrees with you a Nazi. I'm pretty sure that is not, well, that wasn't the norm until about 20 minutes ago when Donald Trump came down that escalator. But, of course, Morning Joe had Donald Trump on something like 48 times for hours on end when they thought he was a clown, but he was good for ratings. So it's a little bit like Frankenstein's, if you believe them, it's a little bit like Frankenstein complaining about what his monster's doing. All right. Um, 
the uh, ridiculousness of every, by the way um Jelaine Maxwell is it Jelaine or Gillane Maxwell I don't know uh I guess Hillary knows cuz she's got to make sure that her assassins kill the right person but she was sentenced yesterday to 20 years in prison 20 years in prison for her role in enabling child sex trafficking and multiple rapes and sexual assaults and what have you. It's actually kind of getting off pretty pretty easy, I think. But what's really curious is that we still don't have the list of people who uh, frequented Pedophile Island. People who frequented all of, you know, who were his running partners for whatever reason. We know Bill Gates was there, and Bill Gates gets real nervous every time anybody asks about it. And he says, "Well, it just I was just there to try and raise money for for my uh, my charities." And it's like you're the third richest man in the world. You don't need to fundraise. I mean, you can, but you got it covered, dude. You're not going to hang out with it because you weren't hanging out with him until after he'd been convicted of pedophilia, right? It's not ambiguous it was after he'd done his time and then bill's having lunch with them and hanging out with him a bit of bs there but jelaine has knowledge of who these people are that he ran with and for some reason the uk daily mail reports quote a uh, a former federal prosecutor said jelaine maxwell is unlikely to ever divulge what she knows about jeffrey epstein's sex trafficking scheme after she was sentenced to 20 years in prison for helping the late financier abuse underage girls maxwell who was handed the stiff sentence on tuesday the prosecutors actually wanted significantly more time than that 30 to 50 years but Stiff, nonetheless. Stiff sentence on Tuesday in Manhattan federal court has long been accused of knowing sordid details about Epstein and his potential co-conspirators, but has shown no signs of cooperating with federal investigators. Nima Rahami, a former federal prosecutor who is now a litigator in Los Angeles, believes... Wow, what a horrible premise for a news article. Somebody wildly disconnected from the who's now a litigator in Los Angeles, believes that Maxwell's actions and decisions to date suggest she will never cooperate against Epstein's potential co-conspirators. Quote, she's dug in her heels. She's pushed this case to trial. She's made all these women testify. She's re-victimized them by making them repeat their stories in court. If you wanted the full benefit of cooperation, you wouldn't do any of this, he said. I haven't seen anything that leads me to believe that anyone else is going to be prosecuted in this case. So everybody else is going to get away with it. Maybe there is nobody else. We don't know. But it is very interesting to watch. It seems as though the entire left is still clenched, but starting to relax a little bit, because those are the circles in which Jeffrey Epstein rolled. Those are the circles in which Jelaine Maxwell rolled. They rolled in the same circles. They were both wealthy people. uh, She was wealthy her entire life. But 20 years in prison, she had records. There is a little black book, allegedly. Why do we not know who these people are? Why do we not know who these people are? What kind of a world do we live in where the... Well, I know what kind of world we live in. The establishment takes care of its own. If there were Republicans in that little black book, and I mean real Republicans, conservatives, not Bill Crystal types, 
if their names were in that book, they would have at least leaked by now. If there were those names available to be given up, Jelaine Maxwell would have been offered a plea deal where she walks. He said, all right, well, we will uh, we'll treat you like we treat somebody that's part of a BLM Antifa riot trying to kill a cop. We'll drop charges against you. If you come out and you say that uh, Republican donor, billionaire, conservative, whatever, such and such, uh, hung out with Jeffrey Epstein and had sex with a bunch of people. Reality, we know who most of the girls are. They've come forward. Are they still scared? Who knows? You'd think. Prince, Prince, what is it, Prince Albert or something? He's running around. He's disgraced. He's got to be in hiding most of the time. It's got to, well, it couldn't happen to nicer people, to be honest with you. But whatever the case, Jelaine doesn't have to give the information. Prosecutors seized everything she had. They have the information. (laughs) Why won't they release it if there's more names? I don't know that there are more names. I don't know that there aren't more names. But it just seems like there's a whole lot here that they don't want anybody answering questions about. Speaking of which, another pervert, I see R. Kelly is due in court today. He's going to be facing up to 25 years in prison over sex trafficking. His lawyer, say his lawyers are arguing for just 10 because he had his own traumatic childhood of sexual abuse. Oh, just 10. Like he, yeah, he raped a whole bunch of underage girls. But... He had a bad time when he was a kid, so, you know, look past... No, he had his whole world handed to him. The whole world on a silver platter out there. And he decided to be a monster. Throw the book at him. Plus, he got away with it for so long because of the corrupt Chicago system. If you're going to be a pervert, I guess be a pervert in Chicago. Jelaine Maxwell and R. Kelly, put them in the same cell together and then dump it in the bay. That'd be justice. There is a lot of other... I want to get to the uh, DNC chairman real quick, just because this is an example, much like Michael Beschloss was... By the way, Michael Beschloss has been, since yesterday, since I exposed him yesterday, being a he's been all over MSNBC still, spewing this, my God, these uh, Republicans, they're Nazis, and Donald Trump is the worst president ever. It's a horrible, horrible Hitlerific situation, and blah, 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 blah. And you're like... How do you, how do you live with live with yourself? You didn't read the decision that you are uh, citing about, for example. That's what I was talking about him yesterday. Is you did not read the decision in the Roe case, and you're out there saying it's a horrible decision because why? Because you don't like it. That's fine. You don't have to like it. But if you're going to say that it is worded in such a way as to possibly, probably cause a civil war and seemingly the desire to start a civil war, then maybe, just maybe, you should be able to cite something, something in the decision to show that you've read it. And he can't. He didn't. So Michael Bushloss has been all over Twitter this this weekend. Um, I need to know who advised Trump to get rid of the magnetometers and unleash lethal violence against... Lethal violence. The only people who were killed that day were protesters. There's nothing lethal about it. But 
Beschloss is still a guest in good standing. It doesn't matter what the truth is, what the reality is. And Democrats are that same way across the board. There's one thing to be said for consistency, I suppose, or something to be said for consistency. That Democrats are consistently bad, consistently dishonest, consistently misleading. And here, where Michael Beschloss was not called out, not, you don't have to be called out. You don't have to go, ah, I bet you didn't read that. No, but you say, well, what specifically about the decision did you find so reprehensible? He wouldn't be able to answer it. He wouldn't be able to answer it. He's not a lawyer. He's not that bright. He's a TV historian, like the way, except he went to school, so he's only slightly better than Bill Nye, the science guy. Only slightly. But the DNC chairman is another example of Democrats simply being able to declare something and nobody challenges it. Uh, you can see this all the time. Like, remember, the, less so now, but the fight for 15, they used to be that big left-wing group, the unions trying to raise the minimum wage so that all the union members who have their salaries tied to the minimum wage would get raises without them having to actually earn it. It's, uh, that's really what was going on with that thing. Nobody thinks a burger flipper is worth $15 an hour, and they never will be. If you can be replaced with a... Uh, a credit card swipe machine and a touch screen, you are not worth $15 an hour. You should be thanking God that you're getting seven fifty an hour. And if you're looking at uh, working at Wendy's or Burger King as your big career move in life, you've got bigger problems than the minimum wage. Just saying. But when those groups would do it, they'd do their, their so-called strikes across the country. What would they do? They'd release a statement saying across the country there will be 200 protests across the country demanding a $15 minimum wage. And what would the media do? They'd report ahead of time. There are going to be 200 protests across the country demanding a higher minimum wage tomorrow. That's not news. That's a prediction. That's not news. That's a prediction. There's no difference between that and saying, here are tomorrow's probable winning lottery numbers, but without the probable part. And then the day of the protest would come, and what would you see? You'd see a news package, and there's some reporter there. We're here in uh, Manhattan where people are standing outside of McDonald's, where the McDonald's is still open, by the way. Standing outside of McDonald's, employees are outside the McDonald's demanding $15 an hour. And now we got, here's footage from Chicago where they're doing the same thing. Like, okay, that's two cities, two locations. and two. Nothing is shut down because the places they're out in front of are still open for business. Have you verified that the people who are outside are actual employees of the restaurant they're outside of? No. Have you verified whether or not they are just employees of the union, hired goons by the union to go out and stand out the way that if you've ever been in a, a major city and you're uh, downtown and you see people standing outside a construction site saying, this company sucks, they're not doing X, Y, or Z, and there's people marching around. I used to do this in Washington, D.C. all the time. I'd go to work and you'd see these people who were so clearly homeless. They were so clearly homeless people. And they've been hired by the union guys because there's a couple of union guys sitting there by a pickup truck on the road right at the curb right near there. 
And if you go up and you try to talk to these protesters to find out they're carrying these signs about unfair practices and low wages and not labor worker, or non-union labor and everything, and you say, wait, uh, so uh, which one of the trades are you in? And they go, what? Huh? What? And one of those guys stand there drinking their coffee comes up and says, what's, what's going on? What do you want to know? Are you press? Because they're not actual union workers but the media that reports on this garbage oh look at all of these protesters these strikers out there it happened in 200 cities across the country well 200 is four strikes per state presumably have you ever seen one have you ever gone to a fast food restaurant and they said sorry we're closed we couldn't get enough people to show up today because they're all out taken to the streets because they want 15 dollars an hour no you haven't no, you haven't, because it doesn't happen. The left-wing mobs and the union goons get together a couple of crowds in media strongholds, the Chicago's, the Detroit's, the Washington, D.C.'s, the New York's, and the Los Angeles's, and they say, this is happening all across the country. And the reporters never go, can you prove that? They go, oh, all right, this is happening all, all across the country, you say. And then so in their package, they don't say unions claim that uh, this is happening all across the country. We haven't been able to verify that. They don't even try to verify it. They just say, this is happening all across the country. People, thousands, tens of thousands of people are taken to the streets. It never fails. They don't ever even try to verify it. It is the ultimate in laziness in journalism that they simply decree whatever is in the press release to be and don't question it. But I guarantee you've only seen footage of a few people and you've only seen a few people usually in New York, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, or Washington, D.C. If you're a liberal, you can simply declare something to be and the media will take your word for it. That brings us back to, and I have not forgotten where I was going, that brings us back to the DNC chairman, a guy named Jamie Harrison. Jamie Harrison is uh, not a, he's an unsuccessful candidate. He was going to he was going to beat Lindsey Graham, and then Lindsey Graham beat him in a walk. It wasn't even close. It was supposed to be super close. All oh, the polling says it's super close, and then the actual poll said no, it's not. And so he failed his way to the chairmanship of the Democratic National Committee because of his skin color and his high profile. And you know, you kind of had to reward him with something because the Democrat establishment had built him up as he's going to beat Lindsey Graham. He's going to beat Lindsey. He's a rising star. Boy, howdy, he's doing great. And then he just got slaughtered, just got slaughtered. And so they couldn't abandon him. They couldn't say, well, you know, those, what was it, $50 million or whatever we raised for you. You just, you got suckered on that. Sorry about that. No, they're not sorry. They can't acknowledge it. So they make him chair of the DNC so they can say, see, he's a rising star. He rose all the way to the chairmanship of the Democratic National Committee. Well, this guy two weeks ago admitted, and we played it on this show, that he didn't even bother to vote in the Democratic primary. Early voting up the wazoo. I think it's three weeks in South Carolina. And he couldn't bother to do it. And then on the day of the primary, he found his schedule found him. I love how people are surprised by their schedule. Uh, his schedule found him out of the state. So he wasn't able to vote in the Democrat primary. Like, but you get out there and vote. Like, Wow, that's hypocritical. Hilarious. I'll give him points for hilarity. But hypocritical and stupid and not what you want to do. 
Anyway, he was on MSNBC, shock of all shocks, talking about post-Roe world. And he's making claims here that may or may not, they ring true, which is how all good BS works. You need it to ring true. It doesn't have to be absolutely true. You don't even have to know. It just has to ring true, semi-true. You have a good idea of it. Um, the idea that after Roe, of course, a whole bunch of left-wing activists decided they wanted to volunteer for the Democratic Party, do something for the Democrats. That makes sense. They fundraise the hell out of it. They're out there. So, yes, of course. But how many? How much? How big of an impact is it having? That's what's missing. That's the meat on the bones from what you're going to hear Jamie Harrison say. He doesn't put any meat on these bones. He just declares something to be. Now, success begets success. And so you want to say, look, everybody's coming over here. Everybody's given to us. It's a huge boom. Now, we'll know next week when the uh, fundraising numbers are released. Uh, how much of an impact, if any, it actually had. But right now you want to say, oh, it's huge. Everybody's giving. We're really fighting back because if somebody's on the fence out there, they go, well, I hadn't really thought about it, but if everybody's doing it and we're really making I'm going to do it. That's the scam. That's the thing. It's the psychological manipulation of these situations. So what you hear Jamie Harrison say is to perpetuate that idea that things are going so well for the Democrats. Things are so wonderful for the Democrats. You should give. Don't miss out on this. You should get involved. Don't. Everybody else is doing it. Why don't you do it? Everybody else is jumping off the bridge. Why don't you jump off the bridge? And there's no proof. There's no measure that he gives it's just more record well what does record mean uh just record is it record for a thursday afternoon like what is record? just record that should send off your bs meter it should set it off we are seeing a record number of activists sign up because they want to make phone calls they want to send text messages they want to do everything within their power in order to make sure we enact change and we secure their right to protect to, to control their own bodies and will i would not be surprised and you know i grew up in the south in south carolina and many times in, in some of those communities men and women vote the husband and wives vote the same way i would not be surprised that in this election cycle you get women particularly in areas like the South where we have all these trigger laws and they end up pulling a very different lever than their husbands. Ooh, rebel women, rebel, rebel women. We're seeing record numbers. It's huge. This has been a, a huge boon. The country is with us. How much? Huge records. How many? Well, uh, records, huge. Wonderful. It's going to be gigantic. It's going to be wonderful. It's the best. It's the best ever. Can you prove any of this? Why do I have to prove everything? Just take my word. It's the best. It's the biggest ever. When you're talking to the Morning Joe crew, the Morning Joe crew is right there on board. They're probably well, some of the volunteers, to be honest with you. Mika's probably making calls during the commercial break. But if, you, if it is triple, like suddenly the number of volunteers you have has tripled. That's the story. But if it is a record... And you don't say, what kind of record? How many people in this record? What is this record? I'm going to question the integrity of your claim 
about it being a record. And you should too. And I don't care what party's making these claims. Hard numbers, real data, facts, back it up. Claims, anybody can claim anything. Be cynical. Don't be as cynical as me. It's probably not healthy. But be cynical. Don't listen to these people, whether it's Jamie Harrison or Rana Romney McDaniel. Don't listen to these people and take what they say at face value. Trust-ish, but verify. It's the easiest way to go through it. Then you're very rarely disappointed if you make politicians. How you deal with people in your life is entirely up to you. But politicians and pundits don't take their word for it when they're not giving you. Like, how do you fact check that? It's a record. It's a record for what? All-time record? Number of volunteers all-time for Democrats? Number of volunteers in a 24-hour period signing up? Number of volunteers for a non-weekday where you're not out in college campus? What is it a record of? They don't say. Because you want, you want to be the ticket people can't buy. You want to be the party that people are afraid to miss. You want to be the boat that people are afraid to miss. You want to build excitement. That's what party chairman really is, is hype man. He out there, oh man, this is going great. Everybody, everybody everywhere is coming to this thing. We are seeing huge numbers. How many? Well, uh, 12. But 12, does, you know, 12, considering the normal day, we get three, 12 is pretty big. When they do that, they'll go, oh, uh, it's uh, 400 times. 400% increase. And they go, how, how do you, 400%, that's huge. Yeah, well, what are the raw numbers? Uh, I went from, uh, went from three to 12. Okay. Doubt these people, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be much better off, and you won't be uh, surprised or disappointed when you do eventually discover that they're all full of it and lying to you. So, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. My God, I can't imagine being so brain brain damaged as this uh, Stephen Colbert is is to want Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to run for president of the United States but that's where we are and if you want to know how pathetic Democrats view Joe Biden look no further than Stephen Colbert Stephen Colbert is a huge defender of Joe Biden he is a huge defender of Joe Biden, right? And yet, he is amongst those desperately trying to find somebody, anybody, please, for the love of God, somebody, anybody, to come up, step up, and run for president against Joe Biden or to try to unseat Joe Biden or what have you. And you sit there and you go, what? How do you figure that? Well, He's a big defender of Joe, but he wants Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to run in 2024. Now, she was on last night. She's on for three segments. Three seg- I've watched a bunch of clips. There's a whole bunch of her saying stupid things, and it's just not worth going into, to be honest with you. It's simply not worth it. But uh, this clip is worth it because it demonstrates how dumb Stephen Colbert is, and how even the most loyal dog Democrats out there, they don't even have to give him a milk bone. He's on board. He is on board. People, maybe he's mad he went on Jimmy Kimmel. 
Maybe maybe uh, Stephen Colbert isn't kissing butt right enough. But um, even Stephen Colbert, the most loyal of Democrats, is saying, I'm not... Inter- I, we need to get rid of Joe Biden. Now, you have to be a special kind of... You think, well, Joe Biden's too stupid, he's too senile, he's too old, he can't run for president. And you turn to AOC and you go, well, she's not... She's not old. She's not senile. She's just dumb. She's just dumb. That's You're going to replace dumb. The problem they have is the senile and the old. The dumb part is kind of important, too. Anyway, listen to Colbert try and suck up to uh, AOC. And AOC, lap it up. She might, she might actually run. I think it'd be hilarious if she did. As I, I don't think she wants to run, really, because... People like AOC, the cults of personality, she's Twitter famous. They don't really want reality to hit them upside the head. What I mean by that is she can think she's wildly popular. But then when you put it to a vote amongst all Democrats, she'd find out she isn't or she might find out she's not. People with fragile psyches like to flirt with the idea of doing something that would actually measure their popularity, but they don't like to do it in case they're wrong. And in AOC's case, I think she's wrong. She's probably not bright enough to realize this, but I think some of her handlers, some of the people around her would go, don't, because if you run and you lose and you will lose and you'll lose badly, you uh, you will damage your brand. And you'll damage their value that she brings to the extent that she brings any value to the existence of the Democrat Party, the progressive wing of the Democrat Party, the radical wing of the Democrat Party. If their emperor is shown to have no clothes, then why would other Democrats line up behind her? Why would they fear her still? There's an awful lot at risk here if AOC were to run for president. Just just something to think of. But listen to Colbert sort of <sighs> emasculate himself on national television. couple quick things before we go. A couple quick things before we go. Uh, you know, there's some speculation as to whether President Biden is going to run in 2024. There's some, there's some reports that he's a little frustrated that people keep asking because he keeps on saying yes. And people go, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, you know, uh, I know somebody who's going to turn 35 uh, about a month before the election in 2024. And uh, they represent New York's 14th. Uh, is, is that job appealing to you at all? Um, I think that... Theoretically. Uh, listen, I think that we need to focus on keeping a democracy mm-hmm. for anybody to be president in, in the next couple of years. And that's my central focus, is helping the people of this country. Right so now. it's possible. So it's possible. I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about I'm just here to get you in trouble. <laughs> I'm just here to get you in trouble. You imagine how desperate and pathetic of a human being do you have to be to go, please, AOC. Help me, AOC Juan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Help me. Help me. Help me. <laughs> please, please run. Please run. Look, Democrats are moving in that direction. In, in 10 years, 15 years, it may well be that she could win the nomination. I don't believe that it, that she is anywhere close to representing the uh, majority of Democrats yet. 
I believe that a majority of Democrats are terrified of her and her army of flying monkeys and to the point that they will go along with her. But as far as follow her, they'll, they'll let her do her thing. But if you notice, she hasn't exactly gotten her way legislatively. They've paid a lot of lip service to it, but the Senate has said no to a lot of things. And she's out there, she whines, about oh, the Green New Deal, we need the Green New Deal, we got to get the Green New Deal. And they're like, oh yeah, Green New Deal, Green New Deal. And as long as the Senate holds firm, they can pretend to go, oh, well, I'm with, it's those damn senators, AOC, so sorry to hear. It's those senators, what are you going to do? Um, you can sit there and you can pretend all along when the rubber isn't going to meet the road. If she ran and she pulled a Howard Dean, remember Howard Dean was wildly popular. Howard Dean was the progressive guy. He was the left-wing guy in 2004. Boy, howdy, he was the candidate. He was the media darling. He was everything. The Democrat, he had all the fundraising. He didn't have the support. He had the establishment and the, oh, the progressive. He had the energy. And he just didn't have the votes. Why? Because there's a huge disconnect. It's getting smaller. But there's a huge disconnect between the Democrat establishment in Washington, D.C. and the Democrat voters across the country. This is why, watch this. This is a prediction I'm confident in making. Probably not this time because Joe Biden is president and he wants to keep it this way. But the uh, the 2028 Democratic primary, look for the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. Somebody, There's going to be a serious push to try and supplant them from being the first in the nation, from having the influence that they have. It happens every once in a while, but the Democrats in particular are very upset at those states. Those states are, well, Iowa's a red state. New Hampshire is semi, it's purple. They're not nearly known as the progressive left-wing bastions of radicalism that the Democratic Party really, really wants. And so those states going first, they damage the Howard Deans. They damage a lot of the progressive darlings. They're going to want to change that to a more radical. They want New York or California or something to go first. They'll say it's only fair because they're bigger or whatever. But what they really want is to try and rig the system because they love rigging systems to make sure that a left-wing radical progressive ends up getting the nomination or at least has a shot at it. That's a prediction I'm willing to make. Take it to the bank. Because the, they're not going to sit idly by and accept things anymore. Could you imagine AOC as president of the United States? How horrible this would be? And these are people like Donald Trump, he's a monster. What with the roaring economy and the affordable gas and the ability to buy food. He was a monster. What we really need is somebody who says we need all of those things to be even worse. We need all of those things to even be worse. <laughs> huh? How do you figure that? Well, that's the only way. It's the way to save democracy is to make sure that nobody can exercise it, that nobody can speak, that nobody can do anything. The control, the lie, the manipulation, and that a party would be so at the whim and under the thumb of somebody simply because of the number of 
And look, it's not just politics. You'd be surprised how many people in media, in all forms of media, are like, oh, this person has a a large social media footprint. Let's give them a book deal. Let's give them a radio show. Let's give them a TV show, whatever it is. And it doesn't translate because Twitter isn't real life. And the vast majority of users on Twitter, not the vast majority, but a huge percentage, are fake, are fake. And the people who are engaged on Twitter are the rarity. They are, you know, 3% of the population who are so engaged on, on social media that they, uh, you know, uh, get outraged about everything. Do you think that's your neighbor? Do you think that's an average American? And now we have more and more proof, because these are the same people, by the way. The left really thinks both of these things. Their, their Twitter army is totally real, totally real. But for uh, $50,000, the Russians spent some money on ads in the 2016 election and totally stole on Facebook and totally stole the election for Donald Trump totally stole the election from Hillary Clinton for $50,000. Bot accounts did that. How do you figure, how do you square that? How do you rectify those things? Your Twitter army is real, but a mere $50,000 can send an entire country's electorate to vote for somebody else. Hmm? And you realize that uh, everybody on the left, all the progressives have such a low opinion of their fellow human beings. Forget fellow Americans, although in this case it's fellow Americans, but they're fellow human beings, that they really do believe that they can be manipulated to the point that uh, it doesn't take much. We're all on the cusp of stupid constantly, and we need these people to guide us, to save us from ourselves, if you will. Other countries recognize this too, progressives in other countries, like China, progressive, yes. Communist, it's all left. It's all left. It's the people who believe that government can solve problems, that government should solve problems, and that more importantly, that government knows better than the individual what is best for them. That is progressive. Bloomberg has this story. Pro-Chinese agents pose as concerned, posed as concerned local residents on social media to try and spark protests over the opening of rare earth mines in the U.S. and Canada, cybersecurity researchers said in a new report. The fake Twitter and Facebook accounts were created to give China the largest producer of rare earth minerals a competitive advantage, cybersecurity research company Mandiant, M-A-N-D-I-A-N-T, Mandiant, Disclosed on Tuesday, Mandian has reported on a network of thousands of fake accounts across numerous social media platforms, websites, and forums since 2019 that support China's political interests. In one recent campaign, Mandian coined Dragon Bridge, a fake account purported to be concerned local residents and environmentalists on Facebook to orchestrate protests at the Texas facility of the Australian mining company Linaris Rare Earth Limited. According to Mandian, it was unclear who was behind the campaign. Fake accounts claim that the processing facility would spur irreversible environmental damage and radioactive contamination that would cause cancer and deformities in newborns. 
Mandiant researchers said the account also criticized President Joe Biden's plan to expedite the mine uh, uh, for these rare minerals. It'll probably work against the Biden administration, but what they're saying here is essentially China and what the radical, what China wants and what the left wing, the progressive movement wants are pretty much in line, actually, if you get down to it. Oh, we need to build more electric vehicles. We need to become the electric vehicle hub. All right. Well, we have to then do manufacturing of batteries, right? That's, you know, lithium-ion batteries. That requires a lot of rare earth materials. If you assemble them here, but you still get the materials from China, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. You got to get them here. So there's trying to get them here. And China goes, we make a lot of money off of that. So rather than try and, I don't know, compete, say, all right, well, we'll, uh, we'll change our human rights record. We'll, we'll stop oppressing the Uyghurs so much. We'll stop doing X, Y, or Z, or maybe we'll lower our prices. They recognize just how polluted the mind of the left is, in collective mind. I didn't pluralize it because it doesn't need to be. How polluted the mind of the left is and how easily manipulated it is through certain buzzwords, through certain claims. So you just go on social media. There's always, always an army of flying monkeys ready to leap at a moment's notice. Oh, we're, what are we outraged about today? This rare earth. Oh, my God, they're going to they're going to ruin the planet. They're going to ruin the planet. Now, you don't even really have to lie to these people, to be honest with you. There are many people on the left, particularly in the environmental movement, who simply don't give a damn. They're just against any progress because they hate capitalism. But for the political class to notice, for the political class to pay attention, for the local people, the local politicians who paid attention said, oh, well, there's there's outrage amongst our citizens. We must oppose this. It wasn't true. It was China. I don't think the vast majority of people really give a damn. But China does. And to the left, to the progressive movement, to the political class, Twitter is real life, even though it's nowhere near real life. And thank God it's nowhere near real life. But it is uh, nowhere near real life. To the left, it is real life. And it impacts things. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Biden administration go, all right, well, we can't do this now. We're going to have to find another way while still cutting off all methods and means to for people to be able to move and transport themselves and whatever because they are just genuinely stupid people on top of being corrupt and evil. But if you notice, every time the foreign governments, the enemy foreign governments try to manipulate people in this country, they do it through the left because they're very close together ideologically. That's not by accident. They know what they're doing. Unfortunately, the politicians in this country don't know what they're doing. We're out of time for today. I appreciate you listening. Go have some fun. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Thank you for listening. <laughs>